Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. And hello, hello everyone out there in the big wide world. We are here today again with uh, my program, Our Wondrous World, and I have a great guest with me today. That is the founder and CEO of Sedona Talk Radio, Daniel Steep. And uh, we have known each other through these programs. I have not met Daniel yet, but we know each other really well over the telephone and now also over the radio. We've had a few shows together, if you can recall, and uh, I have always enjoyed speaking with Daniel very much because he's so tuned in somehow. And Daniel, are you there? Yes, I am, Helena. Thank you for your kind words. (laughs) I'm tuned in. (laughs) Yes, you are tuned in. And uh, you cannot say that about everyone, but of course people who listen to my show, they are not only tuned in to the show, they are usually usually tuned in to to the higher realms, (laughs) so to speak. And um, Daniel, we spoke, it was very uh, odd, uh, not odd, it was wonderful, but last summer when I was in Spain, and uh, then you uh, were kind enough to call in to the show as my guest because I had not, you know, found anyone in the middle of the vacation time. And I had real problem connecting with the Internet and with everything sitting in Spain up in the mountains. And then I just decided, oh, no, it has to work. And just the few minutes before the show started, I actually could connect to the to the radio show, and I could connect also so I could get you online. But right after the show ended, then it was dead again. I couldn't get back online. I couldn't get back to that Internet station. So it must have been you, just your presence. Well, How thank you. you. I, I'd, like to, I'd love to say think that was the case. I've always felt, as, as I'm sure we'll talk about today a little bit, about you know being guided and being in the right place at the right time and and hopefully being open enough to receive the messages and and um, do what's needed to be done to help someone or or make a difference. So uh, I, I love I love things like that, <laughs> and I I loved uh, the times we've spoken about when when things didn't go right and and you said well it must be Mercury in retrograde, which of course is a time when uh, communications falter, but uh, it uh, it's a wonderful way to to enjoy life. And what happens rather than, you know, getting yourself all worked up about the problems. Yeah. On this show, I have been speaking with a variety of guests, and they all have promoted their own books, and we have been speaking about their books. And for once now, I'm going to speak about my wonderful, I say book, shamelessly, my wonderful (laughs) book, Constant (laughs) Awakening. (laughs) And uh, it says, has a headline on the front cover, A Life Transformed by Spirit, A Remarkable Story Finally Told. And yes, it is a remarkable story, I find, because it's, it's my story, so I know it well. But what is remarkable is that it was not until I put it on paper that I realized how remarkable everything was. Then I saw the whole synchronicity of it. I saw how everything kind of worked together. I saw that when one door was closed, 
as long as you kept going, you had a new door open. You had to keep going, and that is the secret for everything. If you stand still in front of those doors that have closed in front of you, if you sit there and stand still, no door is going to open, period. You know, you have to move, and then once you're close to this wall, then the door opens. What do you feel about that, Daniel? Have you oh, had that happen to you? Oh, sure, lots and lots of times. You know, over the years I've I've gone through lots of things, that, and we'll talk about some of that maybe, but one of the things that's always been remarkable for me is um, I always laugh because people, especially people who are new into spiritual discovery, you know, they always want all the answers. And I would always joke with everyone and say, well, you must be patient, grasshopper, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's really true, you know, along the ways, the opportunities where things seem to stop and slow down are an opportunity to to be more patient and expect something to happen. But then, as you say, uh, take some action, like the law of attraction, right? Take yeah. some action, and, and then things can move forward. You've got to nudge, nudge uh, spirit once in a while, I think. You have to. You really have to do that. And I know people who just sit and scream out to spirit, so help me, help me. Why don't you help me? I believe in what you do. But they don't take that action. You know, you have to just be going. It's like when I'm driving. I get my best ideas when I'm either walking on the beach or driving. But I'm not sitting still. I'm moving. Uh, is there anything in my book, Constant Awakening, that you that has hit you more than anything? Uh, and I must say that before I ask you, before you answer that question, I sent you the book uh, ages ago, and I even sent it FedEx so you would have it really soon. And what did you do? You didn't read it. <laughs> you you just waited and waited, and then all of a sudden, when I asked you, uh, did you read my book? You read it, and I think that kind of was the right time for you to read it. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Sometimes that we 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 procrastinate and whatever, and uh, you know, and then it's it's like the old adage, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, and and I think a lot of the things in the book are are totally perfect, totally perfect timing, because like you, I've I've had a life where um, at times. I didn't quite understand what was going on. At times there were messages and things, and um, I tended to ignore them. And I think what's happened is over the last couple months, I'd say, um, you know, in a similar way that you speak to, have, as I said in, in your book, you speak to God or spirit, um, I, I've received this message that it's time for me to stop whining <laughs> and, yeah, and I don't true. mean that I whine a lot, but I mean you know, no, but I know what like, you mean. Yeah, when you go to that that negative place to stop, and yeah. what's what's interesting is in all of that, it's it's uh, the other part of all this message I've been getting is to be myself, to and and I used this word earlier, uh, a word I, I really love. It's called unconceal, and unconceal the real me. Because when I was a little boy and when I was in theater and high school and so forth, I was so expressive and everything. And my mother used to say to me, stop being so melodramatic. And so a great part of me shut down. 
just like when I was in music as a young child, the, the music teacher was trying to explain 3-4 time compared to 4-4 four, four time by wrapping the back of my chair, and, and I didn't get it. And she said, well, you just have no rhythm. No, actually what it was is she didn't teach me properly. But yeah. these things happen. And so the message I've been getting very strongly, which I felt your book really supported, is that it's time for me to um, unconceal who I am more even than I've done with Sedona Talk Radio. You know, let the real me, let the expressive me out and share it with the world like you've done. Yeah, and I have uh, in our conversation now, and there are three points that I would like the listeners to, to make a point of, and uh, that is, number one, have patience. Have patience. You know, things do not happen right away. We want it now. You know, we want to win the lottery today. No, have patience. Keep on doing what you were doing. Have patience. And then take action. You know, once you get impatient, well, do something. Maybe you should try a new field. Maybe you should try a new direction. Try a new idea. And then always the third point, be the real you. Be the one you truly are. Don't try to imitate anyone. And I know for me that has been the thing all along, that I have been me. I like being me. I say crazy things sometimes, <laughs> but that's me. And that goes for everyone out there. Don't try to imitate the general public. They all are like in a group. And, uh, and they think alike. Now, you should be outstanding. You should be the special one. And, uh, for instance, when I was uh, young, now, well, young, uh, in my late teens, I finished high school and I was going to a prep school in Switzerland. And uh, in the beginning of my book, I have a chapter about the burning bush. And... Uh, that, you know, I'd never heard anyone have an experience like that before, seeing the burning bush at home, you know, in, in your bedroom. And uh, for me, it was a, a life changer. But only because I had never heard that anyone had had that experience except for Moses, I did not believe that this could happen to me. But, you know, now that I thought, start talking about this experience with the burning bush and how it tried to speak to me even. Lots of people have had those, have similar experiences out there, and they've been telling their spouses about it, and the spouses have laughed at them and said, oh, only Moses has that kind of experience. And I know that publishers have looked at my book and said, you cannot have that in, you know. It's not believable. I said, well, this happened. So we are not honoring the ones we are. We are God-created beings, and we can have godly experiences. And I have these in my book all the time. Well, Was there in anything? Your first, yeah. In your first uh, chapter, too, when you talked about that, um, you were you were part of kind of like, you said, the ruling party in your, in your province. And so uh, you, you were uh, forgiven at times, maybe for being eccentric, because of course you yes. were rich and famous. Is, 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 what to, was that like? Yes, I was more. I was fortunate. I be, well, it wasn't. Uh, it was in the area where we live. Of course, we lived in the big house and had the big properties and so on. So, uh, and uh, in my family, we had always been a little bit different uh, in every way. Uh, 
I mean, said things. We were creative, but we were also very kind-hearted. And we had those spiritual abilities uh, on the women's side, always going from woman to woman, from mother to granddaughter very often. And uh, so I was excused when I said things, oh, I saw so-and-so last night come in my bedroom, (laughs) which, of course, was a ghost or or just a spirit. So uh, the kids, they accepted that very much because it was me. So did they accept it because they they truly accepted it, or were they just accepting it to to sort of go along with you, do you think? And that's a very good question because it was very different where I was. We also lived in, in, in Stockholm in town. But in the country, yes, it was accepted. I was always mm-hmm. the best and the strongest and everything. Now I happen to be uh, the only girl among boys, uh, lots of boys around there. And uh, I was big for my age early on. So when I was 12, I was already this size. So if uh, they knew that if they would laugh at me and not accept what I said, <laughs> I would simply give them a big knockout. You know, I would hit them just, you know, <laughs> and they so, didn't want to So you were accepted them. out of fear, I see. Now we come like to the Like everything group. else in this world, you know. <laughs> yeah. we, we are fear-based. What about your father? Uh, what was his attitude when you shared these kind of things? Did he Did he accept it, or did he just kind of... You know, ignore you. Father was not, and I just want to add first, I also lived in town in Stockholm. When I came there and spoke about these things, they just believed I spoke a different language, that I spoke the Mm -hmm. dialect that people spoke in the part of the provinces there. And they thought, oh, you speak, that's that's the way they speak over there. So they didn't really understand I spoke a different, uh, you know, about matters. They thought I spoke. Uh words that they didn't understand but my father you know i this is so strange i got to know my father better after he died and it's odd to say that way but i have a wonderful relationship with my father now in spirit he was a very very spiritual person but in those days you know and he was in a position where he couldn't talk about that very much and he was very much interested in christian science which was also in Sweden uh, at that time, or came to Sweden at that time. So my parents were very much believers in these particular spiritual things. They were not religious. They were spiritual. They didn't belong, well, of course, in Sweden, everyone is Lutheran, and you automatically belong to the Church of Sweden. So we we, uh, belong to church, but they never went to church ever as long as I knew them. They went there to get married. They went there when I was confirmed. You know, we all get confirmed in that faith. So they went for that. And when my sisters got confirmed, they went for that. And, of course, they went there. Um, they, they were buried, had their ceremonies, in, ceremonies in, in a church. But they were no way tied to religion. That's very typical for Sweden also. They are more spiritual than we realize in Sweden. And I say that now because I think I have more, see more needy people in Sweden and in Finland and in Norway than I see in other countries uh, because they have left religion behind and they want to believe in something. But then they're very, very fearful of, oh, what are people going to say? And my book sells very well in, in those countries also, in English. 
we have it in Finnish now. So anyone out in Finland listening to this show, we have the book in Finnish, Constant Awakening, and you can get it through Era Nova Distributors in Helsinki. It says in any bookstore out there, which is great. Well, you know, since I started doing, uh, you know, getting involved in spiritual things and so forth, I've got a very good friend. Uh, her name is Linda Shea. She and her husband, David Rosenthal, and they work with dolphin energy. And oh. one of the things they do is go around the, the planet and they create pods. You know, dolphins gather in a group called a pod. And they've done a lot of work in, in the Netherlands. And I've had so many uh, conversations with them, but it's like that is a spiritual area to me, uh, that they are, there are spiritual people and that there are people really, really, really interested and, and in alignment or whatever with, you know, the possibility of spirituality outside of, you know, religion. And yeah. uh, so I, I found that to be true. Um, you know, I was wondering, I, I don't mean to be improper and ask your age, but what what era was this when you were growing up? I mean, was this in the, the 50s or? or um, I was, uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, yes, well, I grew up in the 50s and in the 40s, and uh, okay. it was a time when uh, it was, uh, everything was completely different from now. The 50s, of course, was a time when you started to wake up a bit. And uh, I remember I like to talk about ghosts, you know, because I came from this big house with ghosts. And uh, the interest in ghosts is more fearful, but when you would speak spirit and people are not ghosts but in spirit, it was just like a curiosity that has, at that time, at that time it was odd, uh, but nowadays it's not odd anymore. So I was laughed at a lot when I just mentioned my ghosts and, and uh, mm-hmm. to those people. But I have on my very first page in my book uh, a quote, which is, I think, telling it all. Uh, we don't know the true nature of reality or what is truly reality because we compare with our own limitations. I think that's so wonderful. And so very, very, very true. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we compare with what, where we are standing. So it's easy to judge and to con- condemn things because you don't know. Uh, but once you know, you know, it, it's, you keep on doubting. And uh, it's unfortunate that we are now ruled in this world by ignorance, basically. We really are. Look, the terrorists and everything. These are ignorant young people who haven't, been around yet, and they're told by some some power-hungry uh, men that this is the way they should do it, and they believe that because they're ignorant, they don't know any better. So we are ruled yeah. by ignorance, and, and those mm-hmm. people who really know and have wisdom, they keep them being in doubt how good they are and what they are, are knowing. I am now beginning to call myself a wise woman because I feel I have earned it. <laughs> I really feel I come to that point that wisdom is the biggest we we can look for, you know. We have to be ruled out there by wisdom. We cannot just have uh, or politicians tell us what to do and what to believe in. We have to bring in people with wisdom. And wisdom, yes, the older you get, the more wise you're getting. But 
you know, younger people have wisdom too. And we have a new president coming in, and I feel he has shown wisdom. What do you feel? Don't you feel that? Yes, I do. But I want to before I, I want to comment about that. But I want to go back to the point about children having wisdom. You yeah. know, there's that thing uh, where their minds are fresh and creative and open, and they don't discount connections they make. You know, they don't. They don't. Uh, oh, you know, mommy says I shouldn't talk like that, or or things like that. There's a connection, and I know in my life that's that's a sadness I have. I I feel like somewhere around the age of four, four and a half, I I, I lost that connection with the other side. You know, with that with that uh, higher intelligence, if you will. Yeah. And you talked well about in your book that you know that you're never alone. Yeah. And uh, I, I just. And, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it, it, I, I have the, uh, I mentioned that it very often in my lectures that uh, the little girl playing alone in the yard and the woman comes back saying, "Oh, you play all by my by yourself," and the little girl answers and says, "No, I'm not by myself. I am here." And that's such a deep statement. And children really are not alone like we older people can be. They still they have brought some of that older wisdom with them and then by age six I think about then they lose it and they get back into conditioning <laughs> our conditioned world but um, and I have this in the book about never alone how I was saved from bad accidents several times because I uh, I had someone or something stepping in helping me basically really helping me and uh, I couldn't explain that. And, you know, at the time, I didn't think much about it. But it was not until I wrote the book that I started to realize, my God, my God, all these happenings having, for no reason at all, how I stop in a place. Uh, uh, and because I stop in a place, I don't hit that corner where there was a big truck running over on the other side of the road where I would have been, for instance. And we have these situations, I think, all of us, when we realize that we have been saved by a higher power. Call it what you want. Call it angels. But angels are also that higher power's agents, you know, the agents of God, the way I see it. Well, and I think, you know, again, as as adults, for example, I think sometimes we have to... Um, go back to being uh, more open and more childlike. You know, they talk about uh, so much about your inner child, but if you can get to the inner child and you can open your mind to the possibilities uh, to say that, you know, no, that wasn't just a random thought. That was a message. Yeah. And and one of the examples of that happened to me was I was uh, having lunch with some friends in um, in Florida, and uh, the lady who I was there with, she was kind of a teacher. She taught me Reiki and other things. And, and she had this time when she would speak of a friend by the name of Wes, that whenever she'd even say his name, she'd start getting all these messages and everything. So I'm sitting at the table, and, and there's something wrong, you know. And I'm sitting there, and I looked at her, and I went, Wes, Wes, you know. And she says, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And then I just sat there and I tuned in and I said, there's something wrong. I said, something, something's wrong. 
I said, I don't know who that, oh, it's his mother, his mother. There's something wrong, Sally. And so we finished lunch, and she dialed him on the phone, and at that exact time, he was helping a friend move something, and he was carrying a big, heavy box, and he, and he sat down because he couldn't get his breath. Now, oh, how amazing so is that, see? That's and I, so I could have just ignored that. But yet, look look at the look at the amazing thing that happened, and now, you know, because of that, I'm I'm more open to receiving those kinds of messages. Yeah. And that is what we have to be. We have to be open. We have a caller, area code five zero nine. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, it's Kalia. I thought it was. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah. Have you read my book at all? You know, I I haven't, but in listening to you talk, I would really like to. I, I think, would. Uh, everyone it sounds out like there, a great book. Yes, I can. It, it is a good book, and anyone out there who would like to get it, it's Constant Awakening. You can get it at any bookstore or Amazon.com or through, of course, myself. But it's just as well to get it. You probably get it faster through the bookstore or Amazon.com. So, what, do you have a question? Well, I was I was going to make a comment that I, um, you know, when I was young, I had an eating disorder. I was probably 16, 17 years old, and I was was very, very thin. I was in my 80s, 80-something pounds at 5 foot 8, and um, feel that I was on my way out, that I was, um, you know, on the verge of death, basically. And I started having a series of, what I call angelic encounters, oh. where I was, you know, guided and given the opportunity to make a choice between life and death. Yeah. And at 17 years old, with the type of um, background that I had with family and, um, you know, people in school, that kind of thing just didn't happen. So I was left to, to decide, you know, what really did happen, and ironically, I blocked it out. I mean, it, I do feel that this presence saved my life, and and really got me happened. to look at. Pardon? Yeah, I believe it. You know, I really believe what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that it really saved my life, and I didn't yeah. really even realize till I was older and could could integrate the experience, what had happened back then. You know, there's so many things we don't understand at the time. Uh, but we we realize it later, much, much later, like when I saw the burning bush in my bedroom. I didn't sit and say, you know, I didn't sit up in my bed and say, oh, this is the burning bush. All right, right, <laughs> right, right. You didn't no make clue. that. It took me probably 30 years to realize, wow, this was the burning bush. And then it was like someone had said it to me. It was just so powerful. And uh, it, it was not a fire fire was energy right there in front of me but when it started to speak to me i didn't want to be part of it i didn't want any part of it i just tried to escape and uh, i have a feeling it just said here i am you know but i didn't want to know that i was so influenced by life around you i would take make a choice like you did in your situation i really believe we have to make choices all the time for what's going to happen to us even when we are in the process of dying, so-called or passing on, we are often given a choice. Um, 
that's what I have seen and found out from people who are on the other side, that they made the choices. Yeah, and well, I know, was definitely given a choice as well during yeah. that time. Yeah. And and what I find amazing, if I might jump in for a second, is that um, Kalia knows this, and I, I think I might have shared this with you, Helena, but I've had a number of times in my life where, um, you know, in meditations and, and whatever, that, you know, I felt like I was asked, you know, do you want to pass on? Uh, and given that choice, and, you know, uh, I, I'm still here. And uh, yeah. so it's interesting that Kalia would have the same experience, and and I suspect uh, possibly you might have as well. I have had that. It's not, I don't even recall if I have it in the book. I didn't put everything in the book. But I've had uh, situations when I've been given choices uh, to continue or not to continue. And uh, I, I feel in a way we have those choices every day. How are we going to continue? Am I going to be let down by the bad economy? Am I going to be killing myself because I lost my job, you know. No, you know, we can make those choices all the time. And I have people who come to me and are so depressed and so down because they've had bad times, very often because their spouses or, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend has left them and they don't want to live anymore. And I say, well, your life is, is meant to be lived. You're here for a particular purpose. And then they kind of cry, but, oh, I have no purpose, you know, but my purpose was to live with him or her. But no, your purpose is to be with you, to to evolve. And that's why the book is called Constant Awakening, because we're here to constantly awaken, to unfold like a rosebud, you know, to open up and to open up and open up. And it's amazing how it never ends. I'm surprised how I still learn. I'm surprised how much I've forgotten, you know. <laughs> you know, but, back in my, my experience that I was talking about, I had two particular encounters. And the first one, um, it was I was out pitching uh, hay to the cows. I lived on a dairy farm. And um, the first thing that happened is I, I somewhat passed out. I collapsed on the hay and went into that space of kind of halfway awake, halfway asleep. And that's when I had the first experience. And it was this angelic presence talking about my purpose. Well, I'm 17 years old. I'm a mess. I'm suicidal. You know, what's purpose at that point? And talked about um, my voice because I was a singer and told me that I had had this purpose with my voice as far as um, healing through my music. And at that time, I didn't even have the confidence to stand up in front of my high school choir and do a solo. I was, you know, I didn't consider myself really a musician at that time. So when I was given this information, I, I discounted it. I was like, yeah, 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 right. You know, I you didn't have see this serious. Fantastic, yeah. You have a fantastic voice, a very angelic uh, voice, what I've heard of it. And you should really bring that forward to the world it, it's, it, it has a message with it I feel I, I think you're very angelic <laughs> you look very thank angelic too Yes. thank so, you thank you and so, yeah, I wonder who else has said that hmm. <laughs> well you know it's been, it's been interesting that we're, hmm. we're talking about purpose and yeah. that one has been a hard one and, and I've been guided on that purpose since I was at my near death experience at 17 
and because sometimes our purpose and maybe you could speak to this Helena but it's it's one of the most challenging roads that we can take it's easier sometimes to do other things than and that with of course it is uh, it was just like listening to the burning bush you know in my room it tried to tell me something and it was about my purpose I didn't want that. You know, it was too complicated. It would have been much easier to, you know, be married nicely and, and have a great life and not to do anything more than that. How easy, you know. That was a fantastic comfort zone I was in at one point, at several points in my life. But I always left that to go back to my purpose. But the purpose is there for your soul, you know, to evolve. And, and you're really meant to do the purpose, to live your purpose. And I found out through this book that, oh, my purpose is exactly what I'm doing right now to to help the world, you know, that some people say, <laughs> the laugh is, oh, yes, your purpose is to help the world, but to help others help themselves, to to make the light shine in this world. I really feel we're here to allow the light to, to be brought out a little bit more in this world because we have been influenced by darkness and we are influenced by darkness. And I just, you know, I really don't like that. And I don't like it because I'm busy in the daytime and in the evening. And then late at night when I'm finally ready to listen to TV and I switch around the channels, they're all the darkest of movies, you know, terrible crime scenes, murder scenes, violence, all that. And how this is promoted out in the world, how this seems to be so allowed to have all those violent movies out there, whereas the movies with the light and love, they are not promoted. What do you feel about that, both of you? I think that, yeah, I, I go to Netflix. I don't even have cable TV for that very reason. I don't. I stopped watching the news. I stopped um channel surfing, I got rid of cable because I found that I was getting depressed because there was too much focus on the darkness. And then I I got a Netflix account where I can order movies to my home and I choose movies that are feel good, that make me feel good, that are inspirational. Yeah. And I think that's an area we have to have a choice. This is so true, but I don't see we have much choice on the regular media. They seem no. to control what we are supposed to see, and that's darkness and violence, suppressing certain ideas and certain people, and and it's very hard to have a say. But I think now with the Internet, this is the the model, isn't it? You have people who can come out and say, you know, good things <laughs> and have uh, shows like Our Wondrous World. <laughs> right, and, and I noticed at the beginning before I hopped on you were talking about how you have to really step out and um, and not follow the crowd and not do what other people do. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of where where the media comes in, too, is we, to follow the crowd means turning on the tube and watching what's whatever's on. And not following the crowd is to to realize that we really do have a choice. It's just that we have to unplug in order to exercise those choices. Yeah, and everyone out there in the world who has reached any, anything special, they have been the ones who have dared be themselves. They have not followed the crowd. They have dared stand up for a point of view. They have dared 
express themselves in in a very personal way. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you there? Well, you know, and, and last last night was uh, you're talking about TV shows, and I I admit I I still watch TV. Uh, but I, I share your concerns and, and so forth about the violence and so forth. But, you know, what's really been sad to me recently is um, that uh, they, they just, last night was the last uh, episode of a show called Boston Legal. And it, it's very entertaining, but the thing that I found amazing about it was, uh, based in a, in a courtroom environment, um, you know, some amazing topics and disclosure about things that are going on in our world oh. uh, that were so thought-provoking, um, you know, and and so even though it was entertaining, it was it was educational and it it uh, you know really made you consider some things. And how sad after you know quite some time it's been on, but last night was the last episode, and then you know I hear about Jay Leno is going to be in prime time, you know, well. Gee, isn't that great? What happened yeah. to the show that had some some meaning to it, you know? And uh, so uh, I, I think you're right. I, I, but I do also believe that the Internet will be the wave of the future. I know uh, I'm, I'm planning a move in the very near future here, and one of the things I, I'm thinking seriously about is uh, that I will not hook back up to regular television because, to be honest, I can I can pick and choose what I watch in a similar fashion, uh, fashion to Netflix, like uh, there's so much available online now, where you can watch complete shows and episodes and whatever. So um, it, it will become much more uh, uh, an environment of entertainment where people choose what they want to watch. It's, it is and, changing, no question. An example of that, Daniel, is when you told me that you watched this um, interview on 60 Minutes with Obama. Yeah. And the and Michelle. And I don't have TV and it was like my thought was, "Oh, I would really like to watch that interview." So I went and I did a search for 60 minutes um interview with Obama and Michelle. I did a Google search and uh pulled up a link in which I could uh watch that interview from start to finish just like I was watching it on television. So we really do have a choice. Yes, yeah, that's exactly. great. And Everyone can listen to that all over the world also. That kind of makes our world shrink a little bit more. And parts of the world where they cannot find out about the truth, they can go to the Internet and and find out about the truth. And I think that's a good way of doing it too. We are so uh, censored. We don't realize we are very censored uh, depending on the area of the world where we live. Even the free world is censored somehow to make sure that we are getting the right kind of news, and and the, uh, sometimes they want to have a little bit more control over us, so if they feed us that kind of news. And I feel right now we are very controlled by the media telling us how bad times are. Don't you feel that too? I really feel we are told how bad times are, maybe a little bit too much. doesn't make well, anyone happy. Thing. Yeah, this is a thing that I've objected to for a long time. Uh, I was working in the radio station, and the news director came up to me, and he was all down and depressed. And I went, what's wrong? And he said, well, there isn't any good news. So what do you mean there isn't any good news? Well, you know, like a bank robbery or a murder or something, you know. And and that has stuck with me over the years. And, you know, uh, 
I actually had uh, created a website or started to create a website called goodnewsandinspiration.com. And one of the things that I noticed was the phrase good news is tied to religion. Um, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but, but the whole point is I want to see more good news, you know. I really would love to see that because there's so much good things, so many good things going on in the world, but we don't hear about them. Yeah. And then when we do, you know, I mean, I admit it, I find myself in tears, you know, at the, at the amazing goodness and generosity of people. And uh, yes. yet, why don't we hear about that every day instead of, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, there's, you know, if you, if you go to any TV show that's about the, quote, news, you know, it's always uh, hyped up and horrible and, oh, you've got to tune in and find out who did what to whom and, you know, it's sad. So. Well, the yeah. sad thing is, is that that's what people want. In the general, it's like um, the gore news, the negative news is what sells. It's like that's what sells newspapers. That's what sells um, airtime. This is true. Bad news sells better, and I do not understand why. And right. uh, good news is not a big seller. However, there is a magazine or a little newspaper here in uh, southeast Florida called Good News Times, I think, and they only handle good news, and they have lots of good advertising in that one too. And I think mm-hmm. it goes well. It's been around for a few years. But I even I had a conversation with my local Miami uh, Herald here, which is a very big uh, newspaper, and I canceled my subscription, and they wondered why. And I said, you only come up with bad news. <laughs> I don't want it. And they were very, very surprised that I said so, because to mm. them this was news. I said, that's no news. It's the same day after the day, just bad news. And, yeah, uh, and they'll take a story that isn't really that horrible, and through the use of languaging, try and make it sound horrible because then they think everybody's going to, you know, run over to watch that story. Yeah. Well, we have a, a kind of a thing that if we look at bad news and it hasn't happened to us, maybe that makes it feel better. I think in a way we are that way, that uh, only because it happened to someone else, it's okay to read about it and you feel safer that way. But uh, talk about good news, and I would like you to listen to these fantastic commandments or or this message I got in the mountains, totally channeled. And it's in my book, and I'm I'm very amazed myself that this happened to me. And it was years and years ago, and I was uh, at that time when I I had that message with these commandments, the Ten Commandments, uh, I was not in... In the field I'm now, I was doing charities, and I was very social and and going to all parties and producing charity events and concerts and everything else. And I had gone on a hike up in, you know, in in, um, Arizona, California, in that area. And I was up in the mountains, and I had a backpack, and I had some, some water and maybe bananas or something, and I sat down, and I was going to do a little committee meeting writing because I was going back to committees in Florida afterwards and have all my meetings. And I started to write and I made, you know, and I started to write just without thinking. It was point one, point two, point three, blah, blah, blah. And went to point ten. And then I just put my pen on the side and looked at my yellow pad and said, what is this? This is not a committee uh, meeting agenda. 
and it did make any sense to me at the time. So I folded the, the piece of paper, put it away, and then 10 years later to the day, I think, I was going through some drawers uh, at, at my new home. I had moved a couple of times since that time. I had divorced and I had all kinds of things happen. And I find that sheet of paper, and this was before I had written my book, and I couldn't believe what I saw. And then point number one was you are one with the universal energy and you are to connect with it daily. And I looked more at the other messages and I thought, well, this is exactly what I was living now. And I had listened to these messages evidently subconsciously from the time I wrote them without reading them and had lived them. And now I put them in my book. And number two was, listen to your inner voice. This is how I speak to you. And number three, be with those who have a positive outlook and who make you feel good. This is the way you will find more inspiration, power, and happiness. And number four, be open and see beyond your own horizon. This is how you will find more knowledge and how your lessons will be learned. You know, all this is so fantastic and it fits right into my life now. And it, it fits into the life the way it happened after I was given these messages. And number five here, which I think is amazing, and just like right now with you two, my friends are your friends. We are everywhere, and you are to find strength in us. And they're so profound, I could never have invented those for myself. You know, they have to come from somewhere else. And then it goes on. And the last commandment is, you and I are one. This is your first and last command, commandment. And then it says also, which uh, says in, in, on that piece of paper, this is your higher uh, power speaking to you, directly to you. So they were fantastic messages, but they came to me channeled, you know, totally unexpectedly. So there's no ten idea. commandments? There are ten, yeah, ten commandments. And uh, they are not uh, commandments of obedience like the regular ten commandments in the Bible, right. but these are great commandments to live by. They're almost and more, another, they're more powerful. They are incredibly powerful. And here, do not allow sickness, envy, bitterness, greed, and conditional love to control your life. This will weaken you. And like conditional love, uh, it's, it's another thing that we forget that it weakens us. Oh, you cannot do this way. You are my child, and I don't want you to do that. You are my husband. You cannot do that. You know, we have this possessive love a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's conditional. And we forget that love is unconditional. You have to let go of, you know, you have to love someone so much you have to let them go, not necessarily leaving you, but let them be the ones you are. It's interesting that you talk about unconditional love that way. I I don't remember if I was reading something or listening to something where where, you know, some metaphysically oriented people were talking about unconditional love and saying that unconditional oh no it was a book i was reading unconditional love is reserved 
only for our children is what I was reading, which I, I was really working with that concept, saying, well, we don't have unconditional love for our partners and our coworkers and people that we meet because those people couldn't get away with doing whatever they wanted to to us and have us still love them. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that a lot of us really don't understand what unconditional love really is and what it means, and I really like your explanation. Yeah. No, we don't, but I, I deal with this a lot. When I work with people, I have to be absolutely unconditional. I cannot say, oh, he's too old or she's too young or he, he's too biased. I have to let go of that. It's not easy all the time. I have a caller, area code 541. Hello? Hello? Okay, they are not answering. So, um, but love is uh, something that we uh, we very often uh, make that the condition for everything, what we call love. And uh, unconditional love, when people don't understand that either too much, and I say make no judgment. Make no judgment. And once you see it that way, uh, oh, I love you only when you you you're dressing the way I like it, you know. Or I love you only if you if you don't play golf. You know? <laughs> I love you only if you play golf with me. So we set up those conditions very much in our relationships, also. Don't you think? As we do that, well, we all. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a constant practice to be able to accept the um, unique, beautiful, individual expression of others. And I think sometimes, you know, from what from what I've heard other people talk about too, is that it's easy to love somebody unconditionally when when they are do-gooders, when they're people that are respectful and kind and considerate and. Oh, honoring of us, but it's yeah. the people that are constantly pushing our buttons and challenging us, or even the people that are dishonest and neglectful and disrespectful. That's where it becomes a challenge. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, Daniel, you're there. Was there anything uh, that really hit you in the book, something that that grabbed you, so to speak? <laughs> Well, I get a little distracted because it, it uh, for some reason, I, I lost the connection there for a bit. Oh. Um, isn't it amazing, Helena? <laughs> Mercury in retrograde again? <laughs> no, not until no. February. I will be very careful how I set up my shows in February. <laughs> Maybe I pre-record them all in January. <laughs> well, you because know, one of the things... Had problems, yeah. One of the things I was curious about, I, I, I couldn't help but think of all the people that have talked to me over the years and, you know, that, that very popular question, which is, what is my purpose in life? And I was curious what you responded to people when they asked you that question. You know, I didn't realize that there was a so, so-called purpose in life. I believed very much that it was happy-go-lucky and you made choices here and, and there. But now I realize, and once I work with people and look into their souls, so to speak, in my so-called healing sessions, I see, no, there is a purpose for all of us. We didn't just come here. We came here with a desire in our souls. And once 
we we have found out what that desire is. It's so easy. And how do you find out what that desire is? Well, there are times when you feel really happy. You know, you are doing something, and something hits you. It's like you sit on a tray of train of of happiness, and you just run through a landscape, and you feel so incredibly good. That is your true purpose. And I know when I'm working with what I'm doing, I just love it. I, I have that joy that is coming out all over me. And I smile, and I just love this. And I know when I work with people and I stretch out my hand towards them and I'm suddenly taken over by that joy, then I know that I'm doing the right thing. And then I also know that this person in his or her soul is also responding because we are meeting on that level of of, of unconditional joy or love, we should call it. And it works. That is the time they will get healed. But I have that. So that is the purpose. So I feel I leave my purpose now, but it took a long time before I got there. At one point I felt, oh, yes, it's my purpose to be uh, doing my charities, which I did. But I didn't get that incredible joy. Uh, I, I felt very happy with it, but not that deep joy in my soul. And I think maybe you, Kalia, when you sing, you feel that too. Don't you feel some incredible joy in your heart somewhere when you do your music? I do, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I guess my, my question too is what about people that feel that they have lots of purposes? Because I'm one of those people that, yeah, music is a, brings a strong sense of purpose, but so does my independent work with people and the radio and everything else. Yeah. But, you know, we have the headline, the purpose, and there are many subdivisions under that. I really believe that, too. So I feel these other things I'm doing, yes, they're part of the big purpose. You cannot just be, let's say, you are president of an organization. Yes, you are president, but under that title, you have many other commitments. You can do a lot of good under that title. Mm -hmm. So... um, I think what our purpose is here in this world is to be one with the light. Yeah, and, that's powerful. Uh, yeah, one with the light, one with the higher intention, and that we all have a higher intention here. And sometimes I see souls around people, and these are souls that are coming to people. They, they want to say hello, and and. Sometimes we're younger women, they have to be careful because these, uh, if they don't want to get pregnant, these souls will take an opportunity to really come to them, come back to them. Someone from a previous lifetime maybe who has been a child or a lover or, or, or connected with them somehow and they, they take the opportunity, want to take the opportunity to be with them again. And I see that many times also, that souls are circulating around people. It could also be somebody who's been with you in this this lifetime and just is there to say hello and wants you to to know of their presence, which, of course, you don't, but you might have a feeling that, or you might just think about these particular people at that time, and that's how you connect. So there are so many dimensions of us, and once you open up to that and you do not live within a limitation, there is so much out there for all of us. There was someone else. Tell me about the forest. Are you there listening? 
Hello? Now I don't hear anyone. I don't hear anyone. Okay. Hello, Helena. Are you there? So, um, I don't... Uh, speak anyone out there. Hi, Helena. It's Daniel. I've, I've been noticing we're having some Internet connection problems. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, we are coming to the end of our show anyway, so I will thank everyone. Thank you, for, thank you, Kalia, for coming in. Thank you, Daniel, for coming in. And thank you. There are a couple of callers here, but I cannot get to you, unfortunately. Call back another time. We'd love to hear from you. My book is called Constant Awakening by Helena Steiner-Hornstein. My website is speakingtoyourheart.com. And we are, I feel, done for now. <laughs> Thank you very much out there. Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. And have a great day, and uh, we will be back next next week, and we will then talk about sacred sites with Karen Tate, a specialist in that field. Thank you all. Goodbye.